Welcome back to the Futures Green Podcast. In today's episode, we are joined by special guest Parker Nelson of Walnut Creek, California. Parker is a nutritionist and a certified personal trainer. So today we have you here to help us debunk some common nutrition myths. And one that we saw that we'd love to maybe talk about, this is being, you know, we're recording a little bit in the morning, early afternoon. Is breakfast truly the most important meal of the day? And what do you think about that? It's like a nutrition myth. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, I don't know where it started, but it definitely has been long lasting over the years. So it's definitely on people's minds. And I think a lot of people think that way. Um, It's not the most important meal just because there's so many other meals that you might have. And if you eat really poorly in the other meals, then it becomes, um, you know, less important. Or if you eat really well at the other meals, it becomes less important. So I think um, where that might come from is that a lot of our influences later in the day come from breakfast. So let's say you are really hungry at night. You have that late night craving before you go to bed, or maybe you eat a lot at dinner. That might be because you didn't eat enough at breakfast or eat enough at lunch. And so breakfast can set you up really well for your later meals um, and set you up for a really good day. So in that respect, it is a really important meal. Um, It doesn't mean that it's more important because like I said, there's so many other things going on in your day. Um, You might be a person that has to eat five or six times in the day. And so, you know, one meal out of six is a small percentage. And so to say that it's the most important is kind of devaluing, you know, your four or five other meals. Um, But I think overall, if you had to pick a meal, it's definitely an influential one for later meals. Um, But to the same kind of theme, it doesn't mean it's the most important. It just means that it carries some weight for the other meals for sure. So that midday crash we sometimes experience, I think a lot of times with children too, like when we're eating all that sugary cereal in the morning, what would be some, I guess, foods or some of your go-to foods that you like to incorporate in breakfast that are sustainable and also nutritional? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So breakfast has like kind of an iconic uh, feeling for a lot of people. They think of like pancakes or eggs and bacon, certain kinds of foods. Um, And I would say it's actually good to expand and really just whatever you want to eat for breakfast, you should eat for breakfast. Um, But I think variety helps quite a bit for later in the day. And what you want to look for in variety is you want to get all three macronutrients. So you want to get protein, some fat and some carbs in your breakfast, because it'll give you energy. It'll give you the sense of being full. So you'll be satiated. Um, And then you also get lots of nutrients so that you can, you know, perform tasks throughout the day. So certain foods that are good for that, um, eggs are a really good breakfast food that a lot of people like, um, and eggs have so many different kinds of micronutrients. So you're set for a long time also has good protein and fat, which keeps you full for longer. Um, I personally like oatmeal and I think for a lot of people, they kind of picture oatmeal as like this soggy, you know, bowl of just oats with like water or milk or something, but I like to spice it up a lot. And I think people can get more creative with something like that. And like I said, incorporating a lot of things together will really make it a lot more uh, fully or like that feeling of full for you. And it'll also give you a lot of nutrients. So what I like to add to my oatmeal bowls are like chocolate. So like cacao powder, 
Um, I add like peanut butter, bananas, blueberries, um, walnuts. I also add like protein powder to kind of give me that extra protein throughout the day, especially if I'm working out. Um, so yeah, I like to spice it up, add different things. It's not always the same, um, but oatmeal, eggs are a good one. Um, and then, like I said, just kind of like adding in different things. So I think a lot of people um, <laughs> remember those commercials uh, from when we were kids, which is like, it said a complete breakfast and it had like orange juice and milk and fruit and the cereal. Um, and even though you don't need to have all of those things, it is kind of true that like adding in, you know, a fruit alongside with something or like a glass of milk or even milk included in that, um, or like an alternative milk is really helpful for the rest of your day. To go off of some of those macronutrients, could you talk a little bit about uh, like the mechanisms of breakdowns and how between proteins, carbs, and fats, just so our viewers can understand why maybe the sugar can cause a sugar spike almost instantly um, in the blood levels compared to protein, which could take longer to break down? <clears throat> yeah, for sure. So sugar specifically, um, like if it's in the form of added sugar or like a breakfast cereal or something. If it doesn't have the fiber component, which is where you see like vegetables and fruits and whole grains, they have sugar, but they have the fiber component to kind of slow it down. And so when you eat just plain sugar or foods that are high in added sugar, your body absorbs it much more quickly. So they get absorbed like right away in the small intestine. Um, and that's just to like provide your body with energy. So if you give yourself a lot of it, it'll all just completely get absorbed. So it'll keep doing that. Um, and so you'll see that blood sugar spike, um, which kind of leads to uh, that high energy intake. And then eventually later when your body gets the sugar into the cells, then it'll go kind of quickly and you'll feel that crash later on. Um, and so like what things like fiber, which is a cut, which is actually in the carb category or like protein will do, um, they'll kind of like provide bulk in the stomach and in the small intestine for the, for the sugars that are, you're getting into your body to kind of slow that release into the bloodstream. So for example, when you eat something like protein fiber or like healthy fats, your stomach will release those a little bit more slowly into the second part of the GI system, which is your small intestine. And, um, the sugars won't get into your bloodstream quite as quickly. So it'll be that slow release. So your body just kind of breaks down protein and fiber more slowly so that one hour, two hours, three hours later, you're still getting some of those sugars slowly going into your bloodstream. So your energy stays a lot more constant and consistent, which is what a lot of us are looking for so that we can kind of have that level-headed, consistent energy throughout the day. Um, so that's what happens when you add in like protein, fiber, and fat um, to things with added sugar. I like how you frame that to say not to totally eliminate it, but here's how you can balance it out and almost counteract it in a way um, in the digestive process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, those are great points. I think a lot of people have a misconstructed idea of what nutrition yeah. needs to be. And I think diet culture and just, you know, everyone on social media having their own opinion on what is nutritious and what is the best, you know, life hack or something to eating healthier living a healthy life. And I think something that maybe our viewers, because we are in the younger pocket of viewers, uh, might think that like carbs and sugars are the ultimate en enemy. I think we see a lot of people cutting those out unnecessarily. Would you say that cutting those out is something that could be beneficial for some listeners? Or is that kind of something that's very like specific to your personal needs with the doctor that you would work through? 
Yeah, that's a great question because we do definitely tend to think in like black and white sort of thinking, which is like sugar is bad or fat is bad. And our bodies don't really, uh, you know, think that way or act that way when we actually put food into our systems. Um, so they don't just think like, oh, this is just off limits or bad. Uh, but they actually just take things as they come in um, and utilize them in different ways. And so something like sugar is kind of a good example to start with. So when you eat a little bit of sugar, like let's say you just took, you know, like a, a drop of, of sugar and put it on your tongue or something, your body would just, you know, use that energy really quickly, put it into a cell and nothing would happen. Like you wouldn't have any negative side effects really. Um, now, if you put in a ton of that, then your body doesn't, uh, your body can't put it all into cells right away. And so if you do that over time, over and over again, then eventually it'll lead to like poor insulin sensitivity. It might lead to things like weight gain because you have to store it instead of that. Um, and that'll kind of affect things like metabolism and energy levels. Um, so it's definitely a thing that's like over time, the amount and the dosage is what matters. But if you think about it on a really like microscopic level, if you just take a little bit of sugar and put it into your system, your body just uses it and nothing really bad happens. Um, so if we do that, if we let that play out in like, um, you know, your daily eating patterns or eating habits, then if you have something like, you know, half a donut or, you know, some sugar added to a dessert or something, your body's just going to use that sugar, um, especially alongside food. And, you know, you'll be good to go and it'll just provide energy. But if you were to only eat that and it substitutes out certain foods and like you eating lots of sugar is pushing out lots of other good nutrients in your eating pattern, then you would be lacking certain nutrients. And then you would also feel really poorly. It would affect things like your gut microbiome. Um, so over time, it's definitely kind of a dosage thing and it's a consistency thing. So the amount that you eat matters. Um, and so to your point, like eating a little bit is totally great and provides a lot of us with that kind of childhood feeling of, I enjoy sugar and I enjoy foods that are sweet. Um, and that kind of remind me of like childhood or home, but it isn't necessary to eat like tons of those um, in that same vein. And you're right that there are people who have certain conditions where they can't have as much. Um, so an example would be like diabetes. You definitely need to know how many carbs and how much sugar you can take in during the day without it having like a negative effect on you. Um, and someone with diabetes also doesn't want to go to the extreme and have none because they can have the hypoglycemic reaction, which is where their body has no sugar available. Um, and then it'll pull more from the liver. And so that'll actually spike it. So on the opposite side of getting, you know, no carbs and no sugar is your body actually reacts kind of in the opposite way and spikes things where it'll take available sugar and they'll kind of spike it in your body. So that's why we want to look for that consistent amount of carbs, sugar, fat, all the different things you can get in your diet. Um, so it's definitely not a black or white type thinking, which is hard because a lot of us think that way and tend to look at foods that way as like a green light or a red light. But really a lot of foods are more like a yellow light, which is, you know, you can eat some, um, but you want to make sure that you get enough of the other food. Um, and then you also don't want to completely restrict because then it leads to like poor mental health and poor eating habits um, and kind of doesn't help your body in the same way. Talking about the element of restriction, we are both very big fans of the 80-20 idea. So mm -hmm. just striving for consistency, but also allowing 
ourselves to do whatever we want at the end of the day and honoring those sides of ourselves as well. There's a lot of information out there and I think it can be very overwhelming for people just surrounding nutrition education. If you could recommend three pieces of advice or tips to an individual who is looking to start a journey towards improved nutrition, what would you say? Ooh, that's a good one. So the first thing I would suggest is meal regularity. I think that this is not necessarily like this sexy approach or this really like cool thing that's like trendy, like intermittent fasting is trendy or low carb is trendy or like cold plunges can be trendy. But meal regularity is something that kind of seems like, um, I mean, it's boring in in a lot of respects, but it is the thing that's going to make the biggest difference, I think. So um, one way that you can have good meal regularity is to kind of pick and plan on which meals you want to eat, how many you want to eat throughout the day, and when you want to eat them. So one of the biggest impacts on how much you eat at the end of the day, kind of going back to that breakfast idea earlier, is... You want to make sure that you plan out, I'm going to eat breakfast, I'm going to eat lunch, maybe I'll eat an afternoon snack, and then I'm going to eat dinner. And if you pre-plan ahead of time, then you don't really leave a lot of room for that in-between snacking where you kind of, it's kind of a pitfall where you get between breakfast and lunch and you say, well, there's something available, I'm just going to eat it right now. Um, And that kind of leads to that like cravings and that poor eating patterns, and it kind of messes up. Um, the fullness signals and your like hunger cues throughout the day. So if you pre-plan what meals you want to have over time and really only after like a couple of weeks, you start to get really good at um, recognizing those hunger cues. So when you get to lunch, you're actually really hungry and you're ready to eat. Um, and so like, let's say you eat between 12 and one every day, right around 1230, you're going to get really hungry. And that's a good thing because then you'll feed yourself and then you'll be full until your next meal. Um, So I think meal regularity is something that can help hunger cues. It can help consistency. It can help you planning and kind of avoiding the pitfalls of snacking and all that. So that's definitely number one. Um, Number two, kind of going back to the restriction idea is you don't, you want to try to not cut out as much as possible. Um, So basically a lot of people will look towards like gluten or sugar or dairy And they'll say like, well, why don't I just cut out all these things and we'll work from there. But in a long-term scope, you actually want to try to incorporate these into your daily eating because then you won't mentally um, have that restriction mindset where then you kind of binge on them from time to time, or you have this like desire to get after them and then you eat more of something else. Um, So the second one would definitely be try to keep in as many foods and food groups as possible um, because then it cuts out that kind of difficulty of restriction. Um, and it helps you a lot, uh, in the mindset, uh, category. And then number three, trying to think of a good third one. There's really so many things, um, that you can do, but I'll recap really quickly. So the first one would be, uh, meal regularity. So making, just making a plan of like, I'm going to eat three meals a day. Maybe I'll eat four meals a day. I'm going to stick to these and kind of keep a consistent time. So maybe breakfast at eight, lunch at 12, uh, dinner at five, and then maybe you have like a snack or dessert around those times. Um, and then number two is trying to be as restrictionless as possible. So keeping in as many food groups as you can. Obviously, if you have like lactose intolerance, you're not going to eat lots of dairy or something. Um, but even those with lactose intolerance can include like a cup of milk every day or, you know, a bite of cheese or something. 
Um, so trying to keep in as many food groups as possible, as long as it uh, suits your needs and meets like medical condition, conditions and all that. And then number three, I would probably say to focus on things that aren't necessarily just foods. So drinks can have a big impact. Um, water is kind of a under consumed thing for a lot of people. So water in between meals and at meals can kind of help uh, with the fullness thing, can kind of help uh, your body recognize that sometimes we are thirsty and we recognize that as hunger. And so just getting a sip of water between meals can kind of like offset that until you get to the next one. Um, and the, the same goes for uh, drinks that maybe don't have as good of effect for you. So like having lots of soda, having lots of alcohol, both of those things can really add up. And it's a lot easier to drink liquid calories than it is to eat them. Um, so things like milkshakes is another good example. Even things like protein shakes or like smoothies that you make, sometimes those don't have the same effect on our fullness and like our hunger, hunger cues. So it's important to not just drink all of your calories throughout the day, but you do want to have that like eating time. Um, so focusing on your drinking is, is probably the third most important thing, making sure you get enough water, making sure you're not overdoing it on things like alcohol and soda. Um, and then also not drinking every single meal in the form of like protein shakes or smoothies or any of those alternatives. To go off of the meal regularities, what are your thoughts on intuitive eating? So that could be a trend recently. I feel like I've been hearing a lot about that. Um, I definitely understand that it could disrupt and confuse that signaling and those hunger cues. Are there benefits to that? Or is it really better to just try and get in a uh, good regimen of ske not scheduling, but keeping a pretty consistent time with your meals? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, intuitive eating actually goes back quite a ways and is a really good tool, I would say. So it's not necessarily like you only intuitively eat or you only plan, but you can actually kind of combine those things, which is a really good, healthy way of looking at it. Um, so intuitive eating would essentially be like, you're eating because you're hungry or you're stopping eating because you're no longer hungry. Um, now for some people, that's actually not really very possible because they actually have had a lot of like eating disorders or disordered eating from their past. And so trying to, you know, work off of their signals is almost impossible because their mindset around food or their relationship with food has been so thrown off that trying to work off of like hunger cues is actually probably more problematic than following a plan. Um, so that'll be very individualized. It'll be, you know, based on whether or not you can do that. Some people are really good at that. They kind of just show up to meals and they eat the perfect amount because they just listen to their bodies. They eat really slowly. They might've grown up in an environment that taught them to eat really well, um, not to eat all their food if they don't want it. Um, or to finish it up if um, they want to make sure that they get enough. And so for some people, intuitive eating can be like the main way that they go about eating. For some people, like I said, it doesn't work at all. But I think it's a really good, helpful resource and a tool to add into that regimen. Um, so for example, I had a hard time growing up with, if something was on my plate, my parents would say like, oh, you need to finish that because it's like, that's what we gave you. And like, you don't want to waste food. That's something that's really hard to overcome as you grow up into an adult and you actually still continue to do that. You still continue to eat all the food on your plate because you feel like you don't want to waste it. Um, but that's not really a good mindset to have. And so it's taken a lot of time for me to learn intuitive eating within that regimen. So it's like if I show up to lunch and I prepare a certain amount of food for myself, 
um, I've had to learn over time. What are the ways that I can like take smaller portions, let the food sit for 20 minutes and then go back and see like, Oh, do I still feel full? And kind of like recognizing, does my mindset feel full? Does my stomach feel full? And if so, I'm going to stop eating, even if it was less than yesterday. And I'm going to trust that my body is telling me the right things. Um, so I might eat at the same times. I might eat the same number of meals, but intuitive eating might tell me like, oh, I'm not going to eat as much at this lunch today because I'm actually full now. Or maybe I'm eating more than yesterday, but that's because it's a party and we're celebrating. And I really enjoy this like platter that someone put out. Um, and that's intuitive as well, which is like celebrating and, you know, exploring food when you're in a new environment or something. That was great. Is there anything else that you would like to add to share with our listeners? So I think the, you know, we were talking about nutrition myths. I think the biggest one that continues to kind of be pervasive is that you have to go either low fat or low carb, or you have to take this like drastic approach to eating. And a study that just came out last year, which was this really impressive study where they took a lot of people and they put them in this like chamber they, where they measured their met, their metabolism um, and they had them eat either low fat or low carb diets um, and they could eat whatever they wanted. But as long as they um, were under the calorie amount that they wanted to, because they were trying to measure like weight loss and in both groups, both the low fat group and the low carb group, they lost almost the exact same amount of weight. And so it kind of tells us that you can do well on any kind of diet. Like you can lose weight, you can meet any kind of goal that you want on any kind of eating pattern. Um, but really you don't need to restrict that. And you can also lose weight on having just a moderate amount of carbs, fat, and protein. And so what the lesson that we kind of get out of that is you might as well not be restrictive because it's harder to do long-term. So I would say the sustainability approach to dieting, which is like, what's the new diet that you're going to follow for the next like 15 to 20 years that's the kind of one that you're going to want to go after. So if you feel like you're trying something new, especially in the new year as like, Ooh, I'm going to try low carb because my friend said it worked, but I don't know if I'm going to last longer than like February or something Then it's definitely not the right approach because you'll eventually go back to eating the same way. And then that's problematic. So you want to install something that's like very easy, but also very sustainable in the long run um, for eating habits, which is usually not any type of like low carb, low fat, low, almost anything. It's, you know, very moderate, which is again, not super exciting, but it is the thing that's going to work long-term for most people. The basics work. And I think sometimes that's overlooked heavily in yeah, today's sure. culture. If our viewers and listeners want to learn more about you or check out more of your work, what is the best way, um, your Instagram page or any other platforms you're on? Yeah, I mainly just do Instagram. I'm finishing up my uh, grad degree, so <laughs> I don't have a lot of time to post on anything else or keep up with some things. But Instagram is my main one, so that's at Nutrition Advocate, um, just one phrase. And I post pretty regularly, and that's a pretty fun platform to kind of educate people and keep a positive mindset around nutrition and food and, and health in general. want to thank you so much for your time we definitely love your page it's how we found you and we're able to connect so thank you for helping us clarify these things for our viewers you were great yeah thank you guys so much this was fun